Hey, good morning and welcome to Breakthrough Walls. I'm Ken Walls and I'm your host. And we have a really blurry picture going on right now. But we have a, uh, an amazing guest on today. I have the amazing Reverend Dr. Temple Hayes joining us in here, here in just a second. So stay with us. Okay, I have a blurry picture. I don't know what's up with that, but let me bring on Temple Hayes. Here we go. Temple, welcome to the show. Hello, it's so good to be with you again. I love your introduction. Thank you. Yes, I love that breakthrough the walls. Yeah. <laughs> I don't know what happened with my... Do you see me as real blurry on your end? Hmm. There is definitely something different. Um, it's weird, yeah. I don't know what happened. Hopefully, it works itself out. But whatever. So, listen. I wanna, I wanna say first off, thank you from the bottom of my heart for coming on here and and chatting with us. And um, I know a little bit about your story, and the little bit that I know is absolutely amazing. So, um, <clears throat> you know, I started this about two and a half years ago <clears throat> and it was literally to help other people get unstuck. And, um, it's been, it's been magical. So why don't we start with you talking about like, where, where were you born and raised? Start there. Um, well, it's funny, you know, I'm still being born. <laughs> And, I, and I'm still being raised. <laughs> I love that. I love that. No, literally, I I do. I I I I say, Ken, that you know our our parents birthed us, um, but we're born all all the time. So I'm not intentionally being facetious with you at all. Um, I just really believe that you know all the opportunities, experience, moments, friendships, um, making this yeah. friendship with you is allowing me to be born in a different, new way. You're only going to know what I'm going to tell you. So what am I going to tell you? You know what I'm saying? So mm -hmm. anyway, but as far as the the true question, I was born in Anderson, um, South Carolina, a little small town with around twenty eight thousand people. And I, outside of Atlanta and Greenville, Spartanburg. And I lived there until my late twenties um, yeah. when I went to Greenville, South Carolina for years. And I've been a Floridian ever since. Well, I gotta be honest. I can't blame you for being a Floridian. <laughs> I, I'm in Ohio. We've already had snow this year. That's insane. Yeah, I know. Well, um, you know, for me, um, I was in, um, I did three years in the army reserves and we left Atlanta, the wind factor, we were going to Panama and the wind factor was like 19 degrees mm. and we went to Panama and it was 80 something degrees. And I said, this is the last winter, uh, that I'm going to be somewhere that it's cold. And the following year I moved to Fort Lauderdale, Florida, and I've been in Florida ever since I live now 
on St. Pete Beach. So I'm on the west coast of Florida, but I I love it. It's it's home, and um, I like you have had the pleasure of traveling a lot of places. Yeah, but I, I'm definitely a Florida girl through and through. St. Pete Beach is one. Uh, that's one of our favorite places to vacation. My wife and I and our our kids. It's so beautiful there. Well, I anticipate that you're going to get in touch with me when you're going to be here, right? Yes, of Good. course. I would really love yeah. that. That would be I would, awesome. Uh, yeah, yes. it would definitely be awesome. So, so growing up for in South Carolina, right? Mm-hmm. And and so, what was that? Um, what was that like for you? That I mean, that's a that's a pretty southern <laughs> southern state, like it's right. <laughs> well, let's be kind and say it still is. I used to say that I was the only metaphysical person that lived in Anderson, South Carolina. And now I say, I think I'm the only metaphysical person that's from <laughs> Anderson, South Carolina. You know, I I can look at my story through the sense of the problematic um, things that occurred. <clears throat> okay. Mm-hmm. Um, but I can also look at it that um, in today's times, um, if I'm coaching a little girl right now that will soon be five years old. And it's a great opportunity for me, Ken, because I, I'm very clear. I'm not uh, trying to make her like me or say, you're just like me. You're just like me because I believe in the individuation of the human spirit. But when I connect with her and I've, I've gotten to know her on a very deep level, I am reminded a lot of when I was her age and there are children that they call, you know, rainbow children or uh, indigo children. And they, they're just beating to a different drum, if you will. And I was that child. I was the child that asked questions. I was the child that things didn't feel right. I was the child that there was an incongruency between religiosity and how I saw people living every day. Mm. And so, um, people didn't know how to take me because I, I stood out. So that right. was in the early days of my life, I stood out. Um, I was known, I was popular. The dichotomy of that standing out is that I discovered, uh, or it was discovered for me at 13 and a half. I had a relationship with a, with a woman or a girl that mm. was 17 And so that was like such a dichotomy of, I do stand out. I was already standing out. Mm -hmm. um, And now I, I, I'm in, I'm hiding. So it was Mm. was the dance, you know, I'm, I'm out and I'm hiding, I'm out and I'm hiding. And now I understand it uh, so much shamanically because um, when you look at archetypes, you know, the warrior archetype is, um, the energy of someone that has presence, communication, power. And I'm mm-hmm. talking inner power. I'm not talking like some of the power we've seen recently, power over people. That's right. false power. Um, but part of that archetype is invisibility. And so so that would be my path, Ken. I mean, I would be the president of the student body and then I would go do something and screw up so I could go hide some more because I didn't want to be found out. We didn't use the word gay back then. Yeah. We didn't use the word, whoa, let everybody, you know, explore and practice unconditional love. 
We, yeah. My grandmother told me at 13 and a half, she called me over for a meeting. Um, and I went from being her, one of her favorite loves to, I'm so sorry, I won't see you in heaven. You know, you, wow. your path is, you know, one that you've chosen hell. Um, it doesn't matter how she said it. It, yeah. it. What matters is how I heard it. And that, that was kind of the, the gist of it. Um, so that part of that invisibility for me was feeding that hole um, and, and feeding that dichotomy of how could I have talked to God when I was five years old and I feel like God talks to me directly, even though the deep rooted Southern Baptists tell me that's not possible, that God right. doesn't talk to me directly. I got to go through the intermediary. I have to talk to Jesus. Say, please pass on to God and please, you know, pass this message on, on your smartphone and let God know I'm wanting to get in touch. Um, you know, even though I felt that, you know, I, you said on on your smart smartphone. I know, I know, I know, I know. It because um, to me this this life, you know, the sense of humor has to be there, or we're going to be, you know, we're doomed. Yeah. Um, but that part of it <clears throat> was um, that I felt so close to God, and so I couldn't figure out. Well, then how would I have a God that's not really here for me? I mean, why would I be treat? created as this weird, you know, person that could yeah. be sick. I mean, back then you were treated like a mental health person um, and go to a mental health clinic um, because we didn't know what people know now. And in South Carolina, let's add that. Yeah. <laughs> that, that, that might have, you know, that could have even made things a little more interesting than if you were in, I don't know, Ohio. Um, I, I, yeah, but, the culture, you're right. Yeah, I mean, it, it, it is. Yes. Yeah. Um, so, so you had this awakening um, about yourself at 13 and a half years old. Um, and then, where, so, and your grandmother, thanks, Grandma, for that. Um, right. So, so all of a sudden now you're, you're feeling this, um, well, I have to deny who I am, um, or who I believe I am or whatever I'm feeling. Mm -hmm. I have to deny that. I have to hide that. I have to be something else. Um, where did that all end up leading you? That's a lot of pain. It, 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 it was. Um, and the part I didn't mention is that when I was um, 10, um, there was a rumor in our family system that my mom had had an alleged affair with my mm -hmm. uncle, which would have been my father's um, uh, brother-in-law. Wow. And um, to this day, I don't know if it's real or not. I attempted to bring it up, but you know, we like our secrets. Yeah. in South Carolina. So um, I don't know if that was ever true or not, but that was the undertone also of the family that my mom was taken away from me at 10. So then when this happens with me at 13 and a half, yeah. and you know, it's like, well, they're going to take me away too. And they're going to use those barbaric shock treatments on me like they did my mom, right. um, which has, you know, lifelong effects. So, sure. 
for me, the I just fed my myself through alcohol. I mean, um, and now I understand several different layers. Uh, Ken. One is I started out as a kid on the diet called sugar. Uh, my dad used to give me, uh, you know, butter, sugar, toast in the morning. And then they wondered why I couldn't sit still in my seat at school. <laughs> butter, sugar, toast is good, though. Butter, sugar, toast. But I crave sugar. So I yeah. went from things of sugar and sodas to, you know, wine and lots yeah. of it. So I, I drank a lot then. But what I would go do is I would then go win a trophy. You know, I would then I was an all American athlete. I would do the I would do the other side. So yeah. it, it was like that for um, a while because, you know, on some level, I believed I was broken. And that's wow. been part of my lifelong work. And part of my lifelong journey is that that, yes, I did perceive that I was broken. I I perceived that I was damaged and um to come to a place of now teaching people that none of us are broken. You know, we're, we're programmed that we're broken, but we're not. And so it's, it's um, the story, you know, it's like, for me, it wasn't so much of long-term changing my story. It was having great moments like meeting someone like you and embracing the story of not only how the story has made me, more into who I am, but how the sacred story has uh, been there for other people because I get the damage that family systems can do or cities can do or cultures of a state can do and, you know, those kind of things. So, yes. So you turned to alcohol. When did you turn to alcohol? How old were you when you, when you started? I was 14. Right on. Yeah, it was right after. Yeah, let's get going early. Uh, let's not waste any time. You know, intuitively, I knew it. The first time I smoked a cigarette, I got uh, almost tonsillitis. Yeah. <laughs> and like I told you, I didn't do anything small. And the first right. time I drank, I got very, very ill. Ill, But I, um, I just kept on. And I drank uh, actively for 15 years till I got sober at 29. Wow. So um, I used to have a sign in my office that said, um, you can't drink all day if you don't start first thing in the morning. <laughs> so, <laughs> so I got rid of that sign. But so, so, and you and I have that in common, um, you know, recovery from, from that. But, um, you know, for, so for 15 years from the age of 14 on, um, it, was this a daily thing for you? Did it cause other, did it cause problems in life? <laughs> it's well, a rhetorical question a little bit, but. Yeah, absolutely. Well, I think that we understand from the, the being who I didn't feel I could be and the drinking, which really wasn't me, yeah. you know, in that, in that way, I was, I put it in my mouth. I'm claiming responsibility, but you know, as, as my father would say back then, you're like the smartest and dumbest person I know at the yeah. same time. Cause it didn't fit me. And, and it never really did because I was going against the grain of my life. And um, so let's see. So how did it show up as problems? Well, I had about 12 um, car accidents. Four of them were major 
And by that, I'm talking a transfer truck. I ran into him going 65 miles an hour on I-85 and it knocked me over on the other place. Um, wow. I'm very grateful to be alive. Um, I, I said that I think my guardian angels asked for a reassignment. Oh my God, please don't make us take care of her. She's too crazy. So I was functional. I, I'm a, I was a functional alcoholic, as crazy as that sounds, meaning I, I held a great job. You know, wow. I, I played some really good softball while I was drinking and smoking pot, but yeah. I was crazy. You know, I mean, and it wasn't it wasn't something I intentionally, you know, did. Yeah. I didn't say, OK, it's Tuesday and it's not been a great four days. So tonight. I'm going to go and drink and I'm going to drink so much that um, I could kill myself down the road. Yeah. It wasn't like that. I had blackouts early on, mm -hmm. early on. So I had a predisposition to the allergy called alcohol. Yep. And so unbeknownst to me, I could do the same amount of drinking. I did five days in a row. And on that sixth day or that eighth day, I couldn't tell you what my middle name was when I had one car accident I ran off on a um, like a frontage road and kept going. And, um, wow. and I think the highway patrol was after me and I just kept going where there wasn't a road. And wow. he said, you know, uh, ma'am, I need to know who you are. And I said, I have no idea who I am. That was perfect. I mean, that wow. was a perfect answer. And I've never forgotten that answer because I do know who I am. I am a beloved child of God. And I'm grateful that I've never had to say that again because <laughs> wow. I know who I am. But who I was showing in my my drunkard outfit um, did not reflect that I knew who I was at all. Um, and but it, it but it's helped me, Ken, so much be there for families and people uh, because I've been so open about my my road of alcoholism i've been yeah. open about it since i was like 34 so yeah. five years after sobriety i started talking about it i'm like i have earned this story and i am going to talk about it and yeah. i've helped a lot of people meaning when they start talking about the problems and the son and this one and that one or my daughter-in-law and i go you know what i'm glad that somebody somewhere didn't give up on me because i was worth it you know. Amen, amen, and amen. And the congregation said, <laughs> Amen, a women, a children, a doctor pet. <laughs> oh my gosh, that's hilarious. So um, you know, I I I I gotta say that for those I, I mean, I went, I, I got into recovery at 34 uh -huh. and and had I was court ordered to go to AA at 12. So um, eventually it stuck. But, but I, I, you know, I can remember like they had all these rules, like, you know, about anonymity and, and, you know, it was one of the traditions and you can't tell anybody. I was like, this is w weird to me. Like, what's yeah. the point of, of doing this if you're not like, you know, so I, I can relate to what you're talking about. Like just being open about what, because so many people don't realize that, that there's an, there's a better way. There's a better way to live. 
There's a better way to live. Yeah, I I I felt the same way. And I I from from in front of the room, I I don't ever, you know, discount AA yeah. um, because uh, it has helped a lot of people. Sure. Yeah. Um, it just didn't work for me. And and what I did is I celebrated um I would celebrate out loud and I was so um you know I never held back in, in talking about it and so I could never do something that says you're supposed to be anonymous because it just it didn't work for me um at all but I did I did immerse myself in spiritual community sure I immerse myself in learning more about me and my behaviors and things like that if yeah. I may, is it okay if I make a comment to one of the comment to sure. one of the people listening? Um, as Sherry Hayes, um, yeah. I just um, I I wanted to say that um, you know one of the things that you want to look at um, if you haven't already is that um, when you when you're saying that you you stop the drink but you're still driven or you still feel the level of depression or mood swings and stuff like that. You really, if you haven't already, you want to look at uh, your diet. Um, nutrition is key um, to to highs and lows, and yeah. um, I, I'm not negating uh, mental depression, and that's a whole other story, and that's a whole different show. Yeah. But I know for me that um, watching my blood blood sugar drop. Uh, the kind of things that I put in my body, I have to be very sensitive. A lot of people go from alcohol because people used to say to me, would you like a piece of cake? And I'd say, no, I don't like sugar. If I was sitting there drinking a bottle of wine. Oh yep. no, I'm not, I'm not into sugar. <laughs> same, same. Oh, oh, suicide. Are you kidding? Oh no, I've never hurt myself. <laughs> Oh my God, no, I'm just going to drive my car down the road tonight and get, you know, get hit by a transfer truck. No problem. Um, so what I, what I know is that um, I don't do sugar. You know, I haven't done sugar in, I don't know, 30 years. What? Um, I, 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 and that's a very interesting thing. Okay. Because um, it, you know, spaghetti sauce has sugar in it. So yeah. what I would say is I don't intentionally go get something sweet that yeah. I know is processed sugar yeah. because I will have, uh, I will be hung over. I, I can't, yeah. I can't function. I, uh, my head pangs and um, I, I just wow. can't do it. I can do natural um, sugar like stevia or something like that, but, yeah. but I can't, it's just no way. Um, wow. It really takes a toll on me. And a lot of people don't realize that. Um, because they go from, because when you quit drinking, you crave sugar. Yep. You need yeah. to get that sugar fix. And I finally got it. Like, oh my God, when I eat this much sugar, I, I have the shakes. Yeah. And so, and I'm, and, and it uh, offsets the chemicalization in the body. You know, you're cranky, you're snappy, you're all those other fun stuff that, yeah. <laughs> that makes yeah. me very interesting to people that love me. <laughs> I can't I cannot relate to anything you're saying, but <laughs> <laughs> right. Um, yeah. I'm kidding. I know I can I can remember I always hated sweets, anything. Birthday cake. Don't get me a birthday cake. Get me a bottle of Crown Royal. <laughs> yes, absolutely. I hate sweets. 
you know, and, and, and then after I got sober, I was like chocolate. Yes. I need more of it. You know, it's oh, insane. So, so I love what you're talking about, but let's go back to, um, after high school, did you end up going to college? I was delayed going to college. I had a slight surgery. <clears throat> I was delayed going to college. And um, someone told me about this European company that had moved to Greenville, South Carolina called Michelin Tire. Oh. And it was at the time, I guess it's safe to say, in the early beginnings of an opening was like 75% French people. And so wow. I grew up in a, um, my grandfather was a, a tremendous entrepreneur. He owned a lot of property. He evolved with the times. He had a dairy, then he had a public store. Then the grocery store industry came in and he turned it into a car repair and tire shop. And uh, Ken, hysterically, when I was um, 10 and 11 years old, I worked at my grandfather's tire shop and changed tires. What? Literally people would come through the city in that little town and say, I, I know your prices are comparable, but I really came today because I want to watch this little girl change tires. So I was very strong, wow. um, very strong. And so when I heard about Michelin Tire, I went over my confidence, you know, and said, oh, yeah, I mean, I can. I can do this and I can lift tires and I grew up in the tire business. And so that was the grace. And, you know, that, wow. that's when we say that God's delays are not God's denials because that was the grace is that mm. I got a job there and I, I met a man right after I was there. Uh, we're still friends. His name is uh, Donald bliss. And he told me about unity and he said, you're very different and you're very deep philosophically and spiritually. And I can tell that. And you ought to go to Unity. And um, and so I did. And when I walked into Unity, uh, that's all accepting and tells you that you're God's beloved. I I've been talking about Unity ever since. Wow. And this was right out of high school? I was 19 years old. Wow. Yeah, I was 19. Wow. So it was, uh, you know, life changing for me, obviously. And yeah. I, I've dedicated um, my life in people understanding these spiritual teachings that are not religiosity. Spirituality yeah. connects, religiosity divides. You know, spirituality yeah. enhances, religiosity shuts down. Um, and so it, it was a whole different opening and awakening for me. Um, you know, obviously you already have heard, I mean, it took 10 more years for me to get really clear yeah. that I didn't need to keep sabotaging myself, you know, yeah. and punishing myself and treating myself as being broken, but it did alter my life. It, it refreshed me. It's probably the first time in many, many years that I felt like I took a full breath. Mm. <sighs> Yeah. You know, I'm sure I, there's nothing I'm going to say to you in the spiritual sense, probably that you haven't heard. Um, but I love the saying that religion is for people who are afraid of going to hell. Spirituality is for those of us who've been there. No, I love that. I love that. I and, love that. Yeah. yeah. You know, I, I learn every day. And I think even though often we regurgitate 
material. You know, yeah. there's very few original kind of ideas. Yeah. I think the beauty is when you say it, I'm, I'll hear it different than I've heard it before or, yeah. you know, the same with me. Um, yeah. But that's, you know, that's what we're still working on in our humanity, uh, especially here in the States is yeah. we're still working on that. We don't need to be divided. <laughs> Right. Yeah. Well, <laughs> yeah, I, I, I agree. We don't need to be, man. It's, um, you know, I, I think though that, uh, you know, you obviously you, you spent from 19 to 29 years old, you were introduced to unity church. Um, and, and then, um, you continued your, your, we'll call it your drinking career, um, that, that, but did you end up going to college in there anywhere or did you, I, I went through all the teachings of metaphysical college. I did okay. go and the, um, the norm Tradition. of college. And yeah. I feel very fortunate about that because yeah. I was able to focus on the subject specifically that would grow me about yeah. the work that I was to do in the world. Um, yeah. didn't have to spend a lot of time with biology and chemistry and um, those kind of things. So I went to seminary through um, religious science, science of mind yeah. <clears throat> later on in unity that that's been, you know, my life. It's what I've, what I've been doing um, all my career. So, so I don't know a whole lot about, about that. Mm -hmm. Um what do you, I know I've seen, and again, I'm, I, I cannot think of a specific example, but I've seen um, people say negative things about um, science of mind and, and stuff like that. I mean, what, what do you say to the people that are caught, maybe caught up in some of the old dogma that they've been programmed with that, that aren't open to seeing unity or anything. I mean, what do you say? Uh, is there, do you, do you have a defense? Yeah. For um, no. And, and I've never felt a reason to do so. I, I feel that um, anytime you push, you push the, the norm. Yeah. When yeah. people get upset and people are defending or they're making something wrong, to me, that's not really saying something about a movement or a teaching. It's the it's the it's the the struggle, if you will, that they have going on inside themselves. Um, you know, it, it it's a threat. Um, yeah. You know, because um, you know, with science of mind or unity, it's very basic. It's very Eastern. It's yeah. very Eastern. It's the it live the golden rule. It's the simplicity of cause and effect. A loving person lives in a loving world. A hate a person full of hatred lives in a world full of hatred. A person that feels broken talks about how crazy our world is all the time. It's very simple math. And it's very, it's, it's co-creating self-responsibility. And so, yes, it threatens a lot of people because as long as you believe God does something to you and he's a man and he's a white man and he has a beard and he looks out there and goes, Ken, 
I'm aggravated with you this week. You're going to have a yeah. tough week out there. How easy for you to say, I don't know why this keeps happening to me. I feel like, you know, God doesn't love me. Poor, poor little me. Yeah. A lot of people perceive that as being easier because they have this paradigm to me that gives them excuses not to have to accept responsibility. And you can see the suppression that religiosity has created. And the other thing I would say to people, if you would really study the history of religion, you would see that so much of it was made up, changed to control people. What is yeah. it doing now? It's controlling people. It is yeah. not changed. Why? Because people don't ask, do I really believe in this stuff? Do I really believe that there's a man somewhere in a cloud with a beard that's got white hair and they're all white people and they're looking down at me and taking <laughs> notes and say, Oh my God, you're just this awful person. Yeah. It's scary. You know, it used to scare my family. I don't know. Maybe it still does, but they would go, well, are you just saying you can do anything you want to? And I go, no, the difference between us and religiosity is religiosity says that what you can do anything you want to do at the end of your life. You can say, I'm sorry, save me. And then you can go live in gold and have people wait on you and bring you fruit the rest of your incarnation. Right. How can that make sense? It, 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 it doesn't make sense. So it's like, no, it's called consequences. So anyway, I, I, yeah. I, there was a button there. I think I went the direction that you were seeking, yeah. but I, it, um, it, it threatens people. You know, like if you talk to people about higher education, you know, they, they'll defend it while they're in debt for $100,000 because they still owe their, their college loans. What good are half the classes that you ever took? They didn't do anything for you. You don't even use them. So you know, we argue often the things that are asking us to open our heart about. You know, I, I, um, I've told this story many, many times. You and I are cut from the same cloth. Mm -hmm. I, I, you know, I, um, my senior year, the guidance counselor called me in and said, Hey, um, you didn't get a biology credit in 10th grade. And I said, yeah, that class sucked and I hated it. And I'm never yeah. dissecting a frog again. So oh, God, you uh, just said my words. Thank <laughs> you. <laughs> and, I, and, and they're like, well, you need it to graduate though. And I'm like, well, you know what? That is about the dumbest ass rule I've ever heard in my life. And, and how am I, how's this going to apply to real life for my future? And so, you know, I couldn't convince them to give me a diploma, even though I had taken college prep math and aced it and all, I hated biology. So I eventually, in that moment, in that day, I said, you know what, then I'm out of here. I'm leaving. Goodbye. And I've now I've employed probably somewhere in the vicinity of a thousand college graduates since that mm -hmm. day. Mm -hmm. um, I never went back and got a GED because I felt like it was an, an admission of failure. So, so I never did that, but I lived my life temple for, for years feeling insecure about it, like mm -hmm. many years. But I also think that insecurity drove me to success. <laughs> so, so I, yeah, but I, you know, I think that, I think that we place as a, as a society, I think that we place way too much value on these preconceived notions of education. 
-hmm. It's the, well, it's the money trail. You know, I mean, yeah. that's, that's the secret. Always follow the money. Yeah. I know for a fact, some of the evangelists that teach people, if you don't do the right thing and give us your money, you're going to go to hell. They don't believe what they're teaching, but they won't stop it or admit it because there's too much money in it. I mean, yeah. they drive their own little, they fly their own little private jets. They yeah. have these five multi-million dollar homes yeah. and they're not going to give that up. And, but they deep down, a lot of them, I would say, don't believe what they're teaching. It, you know, we have evolved in our humanity and we're still acting like cave people that we're not questioning, we're not wondering. And that's the whole thing. You think about it, you're being programmed. I was being programmed that from the very day one, you know, you've got little kids that are in first grade, second grade, third grade, carrying this load of books. Yep. We're developing them to think they're broken. We're developing them to say that everything you're going to do in your life is based upon the SAT test. And, and that, and so we're programming people that if you are not good at that and you don't make that, then you're just going to be like not amount to anything. And it's all, if people would just step back and go, what the heck is this? It's all designed so that higher education has multi millions of dollars because you've been programmed that since you were in first grade, that yep. you got to be smart. You got to pass a test. You got to get the brain. You got to pass your degree around and it's pathetic. We have people that are on social security that their wages are garnished to pay back their college loans. Right. It's a toxic system and yep. it's where the money trail is. If I can make you afraid and tell you that if you don't contribute tens of thousands of dollars to my organization, or you might go to hell because it's not really your money, it's God's money. And I can trick you into that reality over and over and over again. Who's winning? It's really uh, a trip. You know, it's, it, when you think about it, it really is a trip. I, I pray in my lifetime that we will see the domino effect of it falling down. I think this opportunity with COVID is helping some of it come to light. I find these are very exciting times. So I totally agree. I, I think, you know, I, I totally agree with you. I, I think it's a mess. Don Miguel Ruiz wrote the book, The Four Agreements. Mm -hmm. and, and he in the beginning of that book, before he even gets into the agreements, he talks about the programming of the human. <laughs> and, yeah. and and I remember reading that and then I, the road less traveled by Scott Peck. And, and, and I'm like, I, I at 34 years old is when is, or 35, a year into sobriety, I'm, I start reading this stuff and I'm like, Holy crap. Like everything I've ever believed might not be true. <laughs> and, and I'm like, it just blew my mind. And so, so I, I love what you're saying. And I also love, you said something and I forget how you said it, but something about um, God being this bearded white guy in the clouds. And, and I think that something I learned and I'm, I'm, this is, I'm asking for confirmation um, is God's not out there necessarily. God is in here and, and 
it's it's just a loving energy and 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 i just need to learn to get silent and breathe and experience that what what do you say about that i'm I'm very curious we just went off the path of your life story but that's okay this is it's all our our story and i I hope that you and i exchange conversations many times Um, likewise you're 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 in in my heart and things you're saying i'm going whoa me too me too me too so for me, here's how I here's how I say it. As long as a person is determined to make God a gender. Mm. So some people will say, yes, God's a man. And that's, I think, the bulk of religiosity. Sure. Uh, and the priests need to be men and the teachers need to be men and all that. All of that was changed um, in, in many centuries ago to make everything a male dominant thing. Um, so, but to me, it's like, and people will laugh and say, uh, you know, he, I, I pray to God, that's he. Oh, and some people will be funny. And I say, I pray to she, no, she God. <laughs> and to me, it's like, as long as you make God a gender, you're placing upon God, the best gender oriented person that you've known as a male or a female your expectations are going to be limited. Your experiences are going to be limited because you're going to project onto God a personality and personality is always going to find a level of disappointment in there somewhere. So Mm. to me, God is a principle. Um, God is an essence. uh, God is an energy. It's more based on the law of science and meta and metaphysics and uh, physics, not, um, Oh, it's someone that you're going to go touch. It, right. it's not, I have no relation um, with that at all. And I, I had to really get that because um, in, in my life, some encounters I had had with men uh, were disappointing. Not anymore. Most of my friends, best friends are men. But at the time, so I couldn't sit around and call God a man because I'm like, here I go again, getting betrayed, getting disappointed, you know. Yeah. Right, so right. It's a big deal. I mean, I'm I'm with you on that. I I don't think of it as a person at all. So for for those watching and and for me, I, I I'm not sure I I have a clear understanding. Um, what does metaphysics mean? What does what what does that mean? It's an energy of meta means beyond, and and physics. It's, you know, of the physical uh, dominion okay. beyond that. So if you really tie into metaphysics, you would talk about native shamanism. You would talk about how before we got on Internet and all of these connections, they would uh, they discovered that people throughout the world practiced intuitively the same way. They drew from something inside themselves. So the Aborigines, the shamans, they all use very similar rituals without any of them ever talking. So to bring it back to simple reality of everyday life, if a person, for example, is diagnosed with cancer, that's of the physical. And nobody's saying that that's not true. And nobody's saying that that diagnosis is a lie. But with the metaphysics, 
It would be that I would look for other alternative practices. I would look at other possibilities of, in addition to what I'm doing medically. I would be open metaphysically to see over and beyond. I would also ask myself in my psychology, what do I need to clean up and what do I need to clear up? You see, mm. I would watch what I'm eating. I would focus on what's eating me. I would, I would do that full expansion of that, of that story. Mm -hmm. And so it's looking beyond just the, here's what you do. You're born, you go to pre-K, then you go to school and you, then you make a good grade on your SAT. And then you got to go to the church every week. Cause if you don't, you're not going to be okay. Cause don't forget you're broken. That's a physical dominion that keeps people herded, uh, like, like herded, you know, like here's where yeah. you go. got to go. Another one is, you got to go take the flu shot. Who said? Hey, right. Have you ever asked yourself, do I need one? Um, people right. actually died from the flu shot. So I've I'm never not, had one, by the way, ever. Right. And and so it it and it and people want to argue. Well, a lot of people die from the flu. I didn't say that. I didn't say people don't die from the flu. People, people are going to die. I'm sorry to shock everybody. We're all going, <laughs> you know, we're all going to die, but I'm talking about not questioning right. what you do with yourself or your body. And, um, and it's going to be interesting uh, in all the people that rush to get a vaccine for COVID. I will not be one of those people because Me the first either. million people will be um, tested to see how well they do or don't do. Uh -uh. No, I don't want to be an experiment. Life no. is an experiment. I don't need to be it. You know what I'm saying? <laughs> right. Thank you Amen. for sharing. <laughs> Amen. Josh. You, know, Ken, you and I can have some fun, you know, because, and I've done some talks. Actually, I talked at Carnegie Hall last year and I talked about how it's pathetic. Such value is put on an SAT. And I said, you know, when I bought my last house, I didn't ask my realtor, what was your SAT score in school? <laughs> you know, before I was on your show, I didn't say, well, Ken, what was your SAT? I got to make right. sure it lined up. It's ridiculous. Yeah. I would have said I don't. I, I didn't take the SAT, so I have no idea. It is but, such insanity, you know. Of um, I, I don't understand it. I I don't understand why as humans, um, that we are just so easily influenced. Um, there's my wife. My wife's watching. So, oh, so my wife. <laughs> yeah, there's Jill. So, um, wow. I I I. You know what? I could honestly, I could talk to you all day. I know you have another commitment here in in ten minutes, so I, I want to be respectful of that. Um, well, let's do it again. I mean, if people oh my are gosh, enjoying our conversation, let let's yeah. do it again, or let's do a series. I mean, I would love to. These are conversations that all of us need to be having, and you know, for clarification, I'm not telling anyone think like me. I'm just crying from my heart, asking people to please freaking think, you know, don't, that's the whole thing. Uh, and that's what, why science of mind or unity intimidates the people that are hurted that don't question what they think is we don't oh. teach you what to think. We teach you how to think. Yeah. 
or yourself, we teach you. It's really hysterical because science of mind and unity are really teaching really what Jesus taught. Yes. If you believe in Jesus, you know, what Jesus taught is don't pay attention to human rules, pay attention to spiritual rule. And what did they do with that teaching? They botched it. Oh my God. They teach one country is awful. This one's better. Hate people, you know, all that it is the, it's a, a horrific divide, but the original teaching of Jesus was there's no color. There's no sexual orientation. That's not acceptable there. You know, there's no class of people that's better than the other. I mean, Jesus was a shaman man. He just hung out with everybody and was inclusive and never taught division uh, like we like we see today. It's hysterical. It's wow. I mean, you know, I think uh, you know another thing that I was, and I don't know how it was for you, but I was <clears throat> programmed to believe that the love of money was the root of all evil, and that if you know rich people are bad and they're gonna screw you over, they're you know. Mm -hmm. All of the 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 BS that I would learn about money and and you know so I've I've I think I've shaken most of that that belief system off. It still creeps in once in a while. Um, how important is financial success in in your opinion? To me, uh, success would be inclusive of creative self-expression, relationships, yeah. inner awareness, family, and there is a financial component. You know, I've been an activist um, a lot of my life, and I tell people, if you don't feel comfortable with money, give some to my organization because it takes $125 just to take a dog off the street or a cat because you've got to take them and they've got to go through certain standards. And you know yeah. what I mean? So yeah. money is the way that we do exchange part of this energy in the world. Yeah. I think that a lot of people, you know, like you say, have these predetermined judgments about it. Um, and I think you find a way that you, in your own soul, you make peace with it. Yeah. You know, I mean, there are certain people that approach me and want me to do life coaching or mentoring with them. And because of how they are showing up, you know, I, I put a strong amount on what they're going to pay because I know they're not going to put value on our work together if they don't feel there's some kind of exchange but then there's other people that it would, I would, I've gone places and been paid as a speaker and signed the check and given it back. So yeah. it, um, I think money is an important part of life. I yep. think it is important that you clear the judgments that you have about it because a lot of that didn't come from you or me. It came from listening to our parents or yep. listening to the, you know, the opinions of other people and what they've, what they've said. Um, it's important to have 
um, and a way to exchange yes. and not to be limited because I've done a lot of things in my life and manifested a lot of things in my life that money wasn't exchanged, you know, beautiful thousands and thousands of dollars worth of high end clothing that people have gifted me. So my first thing is I don't have the money, you know, it's right. more, because if you affirm that, then you don't and you probably won't. Right. Well, let me be open to this. And yeah. if, it, if it's mine to do, I got it in my mind that I wanted to go on this European cruise. Pretty expensive. And I went, well, if it's mine to do, you know, something will show up. But right now I don't want to use my money that way. Right. Right. Now, do it. But I don't want to do it. And I had somebody, you know, call me and say, I'd love you to co-host this with me and all your expenses will be paid. Thank you. <laughs> Appreciate it. Oh, there you That's are. Awesome. Thank you. So it, it, I, I'm trusting that this is what you're, what you're seeking, but that's yeah. how I, I feel about it. Yeah. Uh, like if I, uh, I can afford uh, a, a very fine hotel. Often yeah. I won't do it because I'm never in the hotel room and right. I'd rather use that money to help an animal or help a child that's hungry or blah, blah. So yeah. I love that. Love that. One last question. And I, I'm, I'm rushing now cause I don't want you to be late. Um, suicide rate is incredibly high and it has mm -hmm. been since this, this, this whole pandemic thing. Um, it's gone skyrocketed. People are reaching the ends of their ropes and um, to the person who may have, I've had cars repossessed, I've lost houses, I've been, had my lights turned off, <laughs> I've had all that happen in my life. To the people who may be facing very, very difficult times, what would you say to that person watching or listening right now that may be at the very end of their rope? And they don't know they maybe their car was just repoed, the electric's getting shut off. What do you say to help them get over the hump and 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 understand it's gonna be okay? Well, first of all, I, I think with great deep compassion, I'm I'm sorry that in your humanity that you're having to go through that. Um I I remember being um going through ministerial school and I had to put a paper clip to keep the bumper. Uh, up on my, on my car. Um, wow. And so what I, you know, what I hold for you is that you owe it to yourself. And I think this is what you've been saying, Ken, this is what I've been saying. I owed it to myself to see how it would work out and giving up is just too easy. And I wasn't going to give up. The other thing is that and we're just talking psychology here. We're not talking mental health issues because that's not my field at all. Right. But, right. you know, Augmentito said, God, my life is your gift to me. And what I do with my life is my gift to you. I don't. And and suicide has been up for a very long time. I don't know if you're aware of it, Ken. I'm in a movie with Deepak Chopra about wow. suicide and it, it will be coming out soon. It was supposed to already be out, but because of COVID, it, it didn't come out. Um, but it's all about suicide. The second leading cause of death with young people is ages 10 to 34. Wow. It's the second um, 
you know, leading cause of death. So it's, it's been out there. Um, I don't think it ends there. I think you take you wherever you go. And if you're into any Eastern uh, yeah. philosophy or a belief system and you believe in karma, you know that you're still going to face you wherever you're going to go. So to wow. me, uh, I prefer that we live it out on this side and that you see how it works out because it's like um, you don't make mistakes. It's like Shirley MacLaine says, mistakes make you. Mm. And so I, I really am grateful that in my worst hour and my darkest hour that I didn't give up because once you understand how to work with the laws of life, and once you understand that you're absolutely never in control of anything except your response to things, this life starts to be a lot of fun uh, because circumstances and situations and how much money is in your bank account or how many flat tires you've had, you know, being a victim is not, it's not really serving. And I think that's why it can be painful is because it's not natural. Our, our natural self is to be connected to a power that's greater than we are. Call it God, call it Yahweh, call it creator, whatever you want to call it. It's not what you call it. It's what you believe about it. And wow. to think about that you are a gift for the person that you can't pay your power bill. Three years from now, you're going to have somebody call you that you're going to help and impact their life because you're going to say, you know, that's where I was too, but better days are ahead. Don't give up. Don't throw in the towel, hang your head high. Uh, look at the bigger picture, step back. Instead of saying, why is this happening to me? Say with what is happening, how can it change me? Wow. That's powerful. Thank you. It's 1201. You're going to be late. I don't want you. Well, you are late now. I'm good. So, I'm good. I just want to say thank you to all of you that tuned in today. It's just wow. so great to see you there. And um, I know that we had someone with uh, us from Saudi Arabia yeah. and Lubbock, Texas. And thank you for your energy field. And and Ken, please let me know when you want to do this again, because I'm I'm on board. You're my guy. Let's, um, let's shoot for uh, about an hour from now. <laughs> I'm, <laughs> I'm kidding. You're amazing. Thank you so much. I, I'm I, in, in, in respect for your time. I'm going to skip the outro video, but I want everybody to. Where's the best place to follow you, Temple? It's easy. Temple Hayes, my name, templehays.com. It's the easiest place. Temple and, um, please tune in. You can contact me there. Love to hear from you. And uh, be sure and tell Ken you want us to do this again because we have oh, more we can talk about. We are going to do it again. We didn't even talk about this. Jeez. Yeah, we did. We, we did. did. We just didn't call it out loud. We, we happy to happy. Sure. Look. You're you're on the cover. I'm right next to you on the cover. Look at that. Right. Huh? It's an Amazon bestseller. It's it a is. great gift to give people through the holidays of how to move from crappy to happy. There's so many authors, Bernie Siegel, Ken Walls, myself, um, uh, Kath, Kathleen O'Keefe, Cannabis. Yeah. Um, we all talk about that dark day 
that turned into a happy day. Yep. So it's uh, it's good medicine. It really is. It's amazing. You're amazing. Thank you so much. You I appreciate you. Thank you. And thank Bye. you for coming on, sharing your story. I'm going to um, end the live stream. Hang on real quick. Thank you to everybody who watched. If you shared this out, there's a special place in heaven for you. I'm kidding. <laughs> that was a joke. <laughs> Thank, thank you, everybody. We'll see you later. Thanks, Temple. Bye-bye.